Have you ever wanted to meet your favorite professional athlete? Packers stars of yesterday and today, including Devontae Adams, Amon Green, Jair Alexander, Antonio Freeman, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams are all available for bookings right now. Mayfield Sports specializes in these special moments between fans and their favorite professional athletes. Head over to MayfieldSportsMarketing.com to see the full list of available athletes to book your favorite professional athlete at your next event. Welcome back to the Game on Fantasy Podcast. We are here for your Week 8 review. God, I can't believe we're at Week 8 already. This is just flying by the 2020 season, the season full of just madness all around scheduling, COVID. Uh, There's just so much stuff that's happened already this year, and we're only halfway through it. And so, uh, Gage, what what are some of your thoughts through eight weeks and about uh, Week 8 specifically? Goodness. 2020 is impossible to predict and the NFL is even more difficult to predict like the like the Raiders putting up six winning 16 to 6 doesn't make any sense you got Miami stomped the Rams 28 to 17 despite getting outgained massively just this season remains impossible to predict last night the the Eagles in a smash spot against the Cowboys they won 23 to 9 but that game was a lot closer because Carson Wentz and the Eagles couldn't take care of the ball Denver came back on the Chargers who blew, I think, their fourth double-digit lead in the last four weeks. So, yeah, no, just there's there's no way to predict this season. There's just anytime you think, yeah, I know what's going on, you're wrong. You don't know what's going on. All right, and we're going to use that as a segue into Bills and Patriots, which I definitely took the Bills to cover that four-point line, and they did not. Uh, I hate Vegas so much because the Bills only won by three. And so this was a weird game. The Bill Belichick did everything he could to, to stifle this Bills offense, and he took care of Josh Allen. I mean, for the most part, they were able to stifle Josh Allen, uh, but they were able to run the ball a lot, over 180 yards on the ground. I think is darn near 190 if I'm doing my math right. 38 for 190, uh, okay. average five yards per carry, three touchdowns on the ground. Perfect. So uh, the Bills were able to run the ball and control the control the clock that way. And it's really interesting to see the dichotomy of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Now that they're both fully healthy, they legitimately split the carries. 100% split the carries, 14-14 for each. And they had similar production. Zach Moss has got the touchdowns this week, so uh, that's probably going to be how it's going to be from week to week. And they both have similar longs. Devin Singletary had a long of 18. Zach Moss had a a long of 21. So these guys really performed very similarly. Um, and it wasn't even like Zach Moss got like the red zone quote unquote work like his his one touchdown went for 21 yards and his other touchdown I believe was another okay his other one was four yards so his second one was short but that first one that was a long carry it was just he got outside and he got into the end zone but yeah like you said these guys had a 50-50 work split Uh, I'm interested. So Devin Singletary had one catch for six yards on one target, and Zach Moss had no catches, but he had one target. 
This is about the most 50-50 split I've ever seen. I'm interested to see if snap counts are out yet, because if snap counts are out, I think that they're probably really close. All right. Well, you look that up. We'll talk about the receivers. Stephon Diggs told you we weren't worried about Stephon Diggs. He's had nine targets, six catches, 92 yards, uh, and then nobody else did anything. Literally. Nope. Uh, 48% for Singletary and 53% actually for Zach Moss. You have to wonder if that was just due to game script and the game just being... Uh, really, the Bills were ahead the whole time, for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the score is close, but the game was not as close. So it's... It, you know, you have to wonder if that's why. But looking at the other side of the ball, Damian Harris had a nice day. 16 carries, 102 yards, and a score. Uh, Cam Newton still did his stuff on the ground. And while he's doing that... He's still going to be a fantasy viable quarterback because he's going to get you 15 plus points a game. It's absolutely disgusting, but you're keeping him on your bench because he's a good backup option for you because you know he's going to provide a solid floor in the run game most weeks. Uh, so Cam Newton only contributed 174 yards in the air, no touchdowns, but he did have 54 yards on the ground with a score. So if I'm doing my math correctly, that's about 17 points. Something like that. Well, so. he, you also have to factor in that he had a fumble, which came at a pretty crucial point in the game. His fumble actually, I don't, it's not, it didn't cost them the game, but it did cost them their shot at completing the comeback. Yeah. At the time, the thing is too, in, in uh, New England, I, I don't necessarily think that Cam Newton is washed. I, don't, I just don't know what's going on. They just seem out of sync. The offense as a whole seems out of sync. So uh, until that's rectified, uh, I'm pretty much not touching any of the pieces in this offense, including Jacoby Myers, who's been kind of, coming out of the scene it's in typical fashion here with Josh McDaniels and this Patriots offense it's a new wide receiver every single week there's there's absolutely no way to predict who's going to be getting the targets on a week-to-week basis especially with Julian Edelman out I just don't know it's gonna be a revolving door uh it's been the last two weeks it's been Jacoby Myers uh before that it was Demir Bird before that was Edelman uh before that James White like there's just been so many guys who have gotten opportunities in this offense it's they're just spreading the ball around the only guy that you can have any confidence in is going to be cam newton and it doesn't sound it that doesn't I think sound Damian right harris is so i think damien harris is reasonable what about when sony michelle comes back i think harris has played better and are we sure sony michelle comes back if you're if you're new england and sony michelle is injured this season's clearly clearly you're not going to do anything anyway might as well get like just let harris see what you have in him right like you know what you have in Sony Michelle, might as well see which I uh, like Sony Michelle, but I mean if Damian Harris is running well, I'm not, I'm not a Sony Michelle fan at all. I never was. But the the thing is, Damian Harris has not really been super consistent yet, and so until he can become more consistent, I think he's on the path to to proving that he can be. He just hasn't yet, and that's because of injuries and other things. Until he can do that, I'm not gonna peg him as a yeah you can play him most weeks type of guy. I think he's gonna be very situationally. Uh, very situationally placed into my lineups. Uh, but Cam Newton, most weeks, I'm still going to be able to play Cam Newton, especially super flex. He's a must play. But uh, in one quarterback formats, he's he's even a, he's a borderline QB1 most weeks because of that rushing floor. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just not in on Cam Newton. I, I, I haven't liked what I've seen. I feel like he's con- continuing to trend down. I agree that you got to play him in super flex, but I, I can't put him as a borderline QB1 just because I – like, I think next week I'll probably rank them highly, but that's explicitly because they're playing the Jets, and the Jets are BAD bad, and just traded a linebacker who was their only starting linebacker they had left on the roster after they opted out of CJ Mosley. So I think that he's matchup dependent, a low end QB1, but for the most part, I have him in middle QB2 category. 
Let's move on to this next one, though. We're going to stick in the AFC East here. Miami Dolphins taking down the Los Angeles Rams at home, 28-17. In Tua's debut, he went 12 for 22, 93 yards and a touchdown. Not much to write home about there. Also had a fumble on the afternoon when Aaron Donald came through and absolutely ragdolled him. And there wasn't a ton of fantasy goodness here other than Miles Gaskin, who had 18 for 47 and a touchdown. Also had three catches for 16 yards. The receiving work is mostly forgettable against a good Rams defense. That's kind of to be expected. And also, the offense just never really held the ball. Uh, they had two passing attempts for the Rams, though. Holy crap! Yeah, yeah. Two of the, I mean, two. So two of the four touchdowns for Miami came on special. Like one was a special teams touchdown. It was actually the first punt return touchdown of the year. And that was by Jakeem Grant. And then they got a fumble return for a touchdown. Just the offense never got to hold the ball. But yeah, Jared Goff, 35 of 61, 355 yards, had a touchdown, had a pair of picks, uh, gave up a fumble, which wasn't, or actually gave up two fumbles, wasn't great. But the man was slinging it, slinging it to everybody, namely Cooper Cup, who had 21 targets on the afternoon, 11 for 110 on the day. Robert Woods also had a solid afternoon, 7 for 85 and a touchdown on eight targets, also had two carries for nine yards and a touchdown. Man, Cooper Cup was just getting peppered. That was over a 30% target share yesterday. Or over a 33% target share. I think that is the highest single-game target share I've ever seen. It might not be a record, but that's the highest one I've ever personally seen. I mean, there's the Brandon, there's the Brandon Marshall game, where Brandon Marshall had like 26 targets or something right. like that. Um, I think, I think Brandon Marshall had a game where he had like 25 catches. Yeah, no, the backfield's gross. It, well, here's it's the thing. awful. It, it is gross, but Daryl Henderson is still the best running back in this group. Did you see the snap counts from yesterday? I have not looked at the snap counts. I just know that Daryl Henderson's the best running back. And I think that the snap I think, counts yesterday did not indicate that. And they have not indicated think, that for a while. I think McVeigh is feeling pressured to get Akers in there, but Akers is not performing well. And so it's. I still think Henderson's about? the best running back. He had nine carries for 35. He had nine for 35, but no, his, he had one carry where. Or he had a, his catch. His catch. He had one target. And he did something with it. He had 19 yards on that catch, and he was immediately taken out of the game. So even if McVay is being pressured to put him in the game, Akers did did play well on that spot, and then was immediately pulled for Malcolm Brown. If if a guy makes a good play for you, how are you going to immediately take him out? I could understand if Akers is going out him. there and just looking terrible, they but don't trust him, and I don't know what that but, reason is. But I mean, Daryl Henderson's been the only one who's been consistent. Here's the snap count yesterday, by the way. 60% for Malcolm Brown, 19% for Daryl Henderson, 21% for Cam Akers. So he played on 19% of the snaps and still got eight carries. So either he dealt with an injury or they decided, okay, well, we're not going to win this game. So let's – because, I mean, this game was over in the second quarter. Like, Miami was up big in the second quarter. And they either decided they're not going to win this game, let's give Akers some play, or, hey, Henderson's dealing with an injury that we're going to find out about later. But – I, I think still Henderson think... isn't a good receiving back, or he's not a good receiving threat in terms of like his ability to block out, of, like block as a pass blocker. That's why Malcolm Brown was in there so much, is because Malcolm Brown is he's like Jamal Williams for the Rams. He may not be the best best runner, may not be the best this or the best that, but he can pass block really damn well. He is really stout in that area. Uh, he can pick up blocks blockers well. He's also the most experienced in that aspect. So I think that's what it is. And the Rams actually have a somewhat difficult schedule coming up that could see them trailing, and I think that that could lean to more work from Malcolm Brown. Not necessarily Cam Akers, but Malcolm Brown over Daryl Henderson, if that's the case. 
I still think he's the best running back of the group. But let's move on. Uh, I don't think there's much else to talk about with the receiving core. I mean, it was pretty expected. Uh, Gerald Everett, I think, is going to be, if you have to play a right tight end, it's going to be Everett over Higby. Uh, Higby is just, he's really come back down to earth after a three-touchdown performance that had people trying to run victory laps from their off-season analysis. But he has really been just not good overall. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, Everett had nine to uh, Higby's four targets, and Everett had averaged six yards per catch and granted Higby averaged more but Gerald Everett got more work volume volume reigns supreme here uh in terms of Dolphins wide receivers and running backs catching the ball it's really difficult to make any kind of assessment here just because of the way that this game went um such a weird game and the the Rams defense is definitely better than the Dolphins offense and so I'm going to chalk it up to being fluky can't make any I can't make any decisions here based on this game moving forward I agree. All right. Let's move on to Titans and Bengals. Um, so Bengals won this game. Uh, I've talked about the Bengals being that team on the verge of winning games. This is one of those games that they came out and won. Uh, the Titans finally kind of couldn't play that let's let's be relaxed for the first three quarters and then turn it all on the fourth quarter type of play. It's that, that, that type of play is going to lose them games, and it did this week. Uh, Joe Burrow, 26 of 37, 249 yards and two scores. Uh, on the running game part, you have Giovanni Bernard, 15 carries, 62 yards. Samaji Pirine, 10 carries for 32. Imagine that's Joe Mixon. That's 25 carries for 94 yards, two scores, because when Joe Mixon plays, he's getting all the carries. So they really tried to separate it up between these two guys. Uh, the, Joe Tower Boyd, uh, this is not the first week he's had a couple carries, so they're going to continue to give him some rushing work. Maybe he can sneak a touchdown here and there. Uh, Tyler Boyd's still the wide receiver you want here, but T. Higgins, he has taken over the wide receiver two role, in my opinion, just because I think that there is good upside with A.J. Green from week to week, but T. Higgins has proven he can be consistent. He can give you a consistent floor. Joe Burrow likes him. And I think the upside is coming. The upside for T. Higgins is coming. Uh, you're going to want to be there when it does because it's going to start really paying dividends for your fantasy lineups. Tyler Boyd, 6 for 67 and a touchdown on 7 targets. T. Higgins led the team with 9 targets, 6 for 78. Auden Tate with a surprise performance here, 7 catches on 7 targets for 65 yards. And A.J. Green, 2 of 5 for 19. Yeah, I agree that T. Higgins has taken over the number 2 role. Tyler Boyd's still the number 1. I understand that Higgins had more targets this week, but... I still think Boyd is the Boyd is my is my favorite receiver in this uh, wide receiver room. I think that he is the most consistent of the of the bunch. Um, yep, Joe Burrow had a solid outing. I think that I agree. AJ Green has uh, upside every week. I think Auden Tate was more of a fluke here. I think as long as AJ Green is there, Tate is still the fourth guy. Now, if Green were to get traded at the deadline, which I think that the Bengals would be smart to do. I don't know how you feel about that, but if I'm Cincinnati I'm trading Joe Burrow or AJ Green at the deadline and saying hey does somebody want a big receiver that gives you some upside we'll take literally anything for him um what do you think about Jonu Smith only having two for 29 on two targets what the hell happened there I don't care I don't care I don't care it's it's a it's a one-off I mean he's still dealing with that ankle injury I think I know I don't think he's on the injury report but I know he's dealing with that ankle injury and those things linger I I see I saw somebody clamoring on Twitter, let's get this guy targets. He's been relatively consistent outside of his injuries. So I, it's fine. I'm not worried about him yet. I'm keeping an eye on it for sure, but I'm not worried about him. Uh, I think you can start. I think you can still play him. I think he has a good matchup next week, if I remember correctly. Uh, so moving on to 
the Titans side of the ball, Ryan Tannehill also came back to earth this week. 233 yards on 18 of 30 for two touchdowns and an interception. They play the Bears next week, by the way. They do not have a good matchup. Uh, for some reason, they give up points to the tight end, though. It's weird. I know you would say that, but for some reason, they give up points to the tight end. So, um, let's see here. Derrick Henry, 18 for 112 and a touchdown. Jeremy, Jeremy Nichols, 4 for 49. Uh, hit four big runs, actually. And then Deontay Foreman made an appearance here, 5 for 37. Uh, I didn't realize he was on the Titans roster, I'll be quite honest with you. Uh, Corey... I saw the ex- nearly the exact same thing on Twitter yesterday. Someone said, I had no idea Deontay Foreman was still in league. So Right, I thought so, when yeah. he got caught by the Texans a year ago that I was like, okay, it's done. And then yeah, he was on he was on the Colts roster in like pr- training right, camp very right. briefly, and then got cut. And then I don't know that he was on a roster last year, but yeah, when I saw that he got carries yesterday, I was like, what? Also, the Bears allow an average of about nine fantasy points per game to the tight which end, which is position. good for most weeks. If you get nine, you get nine points at your tight end. That's great. And so. I think that that's also standard scoring because like DraftKings points hasn't been about fourteen point four for the position. So yeah, that's so, a, that's a good week. I agree. That's weird that they give up that much considering the athletic linebackers and good safeties they have. Right. Yeah, Derrick Henry, 18 for 112, averaging six yards per tote. You love to see it. And he only had a, y- a long of 21. He's only going to so get better, that, too. As this, as yeah, the season, that means as he was... Yeah. Go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not excited to watch him play Green Bay in December. Nope. Nope, nope. Corey Davis, nope. 8 for 128, a touchdown. It is, I think it is Corey Davis season. Uh, he had the COVID thing in the middle of the year here, so he was out for a couple weeks. But it is Corey Davis season. When he has been playing um, with A.J. Brown consistently, he's been the more productive receiver. So don't know what that reason is. I don't know why all of a sudden Ryan Tannehill and, and Corey Davis started connecting. But I am not complaining. I love Corey Davis. And so uh, do you have anything else to add about this Titans wide receiver core? No, I think this whole Titans roster is pretty chalky. Uh, Tannehill, you're going to play in most weeks, not all weeks. Derrick Henry, you play in every week. And A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are get uh, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, and Johnny Smith, you're playing every single week, and you're not really touching anything else. Pretty chalk. Speaking of chalk, let's go on to Josh Jacobs and the Oakland Raiders playing the Cleveland Browns. You mentioned it in the beginning. Josh Jacobs, though, had 31 carries in this game, 128 yards. And uh, Devontae Booker, Jalen Richard, and Alec Ingold added another seven carries. So that is a lot of running work, uh, and they won this game 16-6. to This is the Raiders' formula to success. Running the football, time of possession, maybe hitting a big play here or there to Henry Ruggs. But overall, this game was disgusting from a fantasy perspective. Even though he had 31 carries. Did you see the weather in that game? I I knew it was not good. It, I was, it. it was worse. It was as bad. So, like, there was the whole, oh, it could be this bad or it could be not so bad. It was literally as bad as it could be. Sleet, rain, wind was up to 50 miles an hour. It right. was brutal. Yeah, the little bits and the little bits and pieces I saw, I definitely couldn't make that full assumption, but at the same time, it everything it shows cuz offensive numbers here are completely down. I mean, 16 to 6, you just don't see that in today's NFL. And so, uh not a lot we could draw. And the from Browns could have looked better too. Baker had two touchdowns get dropped and one got called back. Like Jarvis Landry ran in for a touchdown for like 30 or 40 yards and it got called back due to a penalty. So Baker's day could have looked a lot better than it did. And it's just, but everyone sees the stat sheet because I wasn't. I thought I was like, man, Baker had a down day, but I expected it. But then when I went and read and looked a little closer, he had two touchdowns get dropped, one by Jarvis, one by uh, David and Joku, and then Jarvis ran in for a t- touchdown for like thirty yards out, and it got called back. So. 
Baker had a good day against a good defense in bad conditions, and it just it didn't show because his teammates let him down. I mean, overall, though, on both sides of the ball, offensive numbers were down, and I don't think there's any conclusions we can draw from anything in this game other than Josh Jacobs is still your a absolute horse. Number. Yeah, he's still an absolute horse. horse. Um, Harrison Bryant's season officially is over, though. Austin Hooper will be coming back next week. So, or actually, I take that back. The Browns on a bye next week. Austin Hooper will be coming back after the bye. So, there you go. Harrison Bryant's season is officially over. He's going to end it with three, three catches for 25 yards. I know. I just wanted to have a little obituary there for Harrison Bryant. All right. Rip. <laughs> Moving on. So, next game for us is going to be Colts and Lions. Uh, yeah. What a, I, I, this was a game. This was a good game to watch. I don't really have a lot to add. Uh, formal analysis wise I mean both both teams were slinging it both teams were making plays um, it only it, sh- it doesn't show but this game was a lot closer than 41 to 21 in my opinion I know the Colts won pretty easily but they they really laid it on in the fourth quarter oh, it was did you see the Colts were shut out in two different quarters I did I, they, yeah they didn't score in the first quarter or the third quarter they scored 20 and 21 points in the second and fourth quarters right the game took the game took a, a really really awkward path in the fourth quarter but these two teams it was a closer game than 41 21 for sure uh, but the Colts end up winning by 20 Philip Rivers had a decent day uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor Jordan Wilkins now there are some people out there I don't know if I'm one of them yet who are willing to start passing on Jonathan Taylor. Now, there is some murmurs that he was hurt um, in this game, which is why he won. He was benched, and uh, he didn't play as much. Um, or two, the it's a cover-up, that the ankle injury is a cover-up for how his why he's played so poorly. But I don't buy that personally. I think he's just kind of going through some of the rookie motions. I still really like Jonathan Taylor long-term. I think he's just going through some of the rookie motions Maybe he does have an injury, but does Jordan Wilkins instantly become a viable fantasy running back for you? If Taylor's out, yes. Which I think he like might if, be, yeah. If Taylor misses time, yeah, Wilkins is fantasy viable. But if Taylor's still on the field, no. I'm. He's banking on a touchdown. He had a good game yesterday, but we just said Taylor was dealing with injury. And I, I think he's still... I think he's still good enough to be out there, be on the field for you. I think that they're going to continue to. I think they're going to continue to get him work as long as he's healthy or healthy enough to play. So no, Wilkins is only fantasy viable if Jonathan Taylor's to miss any time. Fair enough. Moving into the receiving uh, receiving core or the receivers for the Colts, um, a whole lot of mess. Uh, I was high on T. Y. Hilton this week. I think I'm officially done with him. I think this was a matchup he needed to perform in, and there was still points being thrown around for the Colts that he couldn't get in on it at all. Um, Didn't no? He left the game early though. I thought. I thought he got injured. He? I'm ninety percent sure I saw him leave with. I'm 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 okay, almost certain I saw him leave yeah. with an injury. I'm, I, my producer's pulling it up. But overall, this game was gross from a receiving standpoint. It's just they spread the ball out so much. Um, you're just hoping that somebody gets touchdowns, and this week it was Naheem Hines, who had a hell of a play, by the way. That was a hell of a touchdown he scored. But uh, Okay, so gonna... T.Y. Hilton left the game early with a groin injury, and he okay. is under observation for the week. So he's considered then. week to week. Yes. So don't bury him just yet. It's close, though. It's close, though. Calm down. Um, 
Man, let's move on to the Lions side of the ball, though. Matt Stafford slinging at 24-42, 3-36, three scores, and a touchdown. I mean, it's an interception. Uh, he was still running for his life all day. Five sacks on the day. Uh, it's pretty normal for him. Um, DeAndre Swift, six carries for one yard. And his longest five. So do with that information what you will. Uh, if you Peterson. were surprised by that, you have not been watching Colts football. Okay, this year. okay, hold on. Yes, you have a point. Like, was, was I expecting DeAndre Swift to come out and put up 100 yards? Absolutely not. Was I expecting him to come out and put up less than one yard per carry? No, I was yeah. not. So th- this is it's it's a little concerning in terms of the Lions' offensive line. Um, because Adrian Peterson didn't have a much better day. Five carries for seven yards. So between the two of them... Yeah, the Lions' offensive line is bad, but this Colts' defensive line is good. Like, that's... Like, they they got horses up front, man. And Darius Leonard was back, too. Darius Leonard was back. Nine nine tackles, seven solo ones. Had a sack, two tackles for loss. I'm not denying it. It's just still concerning. I just... I don't know. So, moving on to the receivers for the Lions. TJ Hawkinson. Uh, seven catches for 65 yards on 10 targets. I think, you know, because we talked about him on Sunday as a guy that could not perform to snuff this week. And I think after looking back at that, I think that this was a good matchup for him in the sense of he actually kind of fits what how you would beat this cover two defense by the Colts and attacking some of those, those middle areas. Um, I want to put a qualifier on it because I saw a stat. I don't know who tweeted it. I wish I do, or I wish I did. So prior to Kenny Galladay leaving, because Kenny Galladay left this game early. Kenny Galladay had zero for zero yards on four targets. He's out with a hip injury, could miss up to three weeks. He's an IR candidate. Um, TJ Hawkinson, before Kenny Galladay left, had, I think, like two catches for like 10 yards or something dumb like that. It wasn't He wasn't doing anything. And as soon as... Kenny Galladay left the game, then they started feeding Hawkinson, and he had a ton of volume, had 10 targets. So with so with Kenny Galladay out, is out, I think that his uh, stock is pointing up. But I just wanted to like say that when Kenny Galladay's back, Hawkinson's going to get marginalized in this offense. But continue. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Hall led this team in yards this week, but uh, you're not banking on that. I think I rostered him in like a really deep dynasty league for like two weeks at the beginning of the season, but... Um, and yeah. 73 of his 113 yards came on one catch, and he didn't even score on that play. Yeah, so, um, so. whatever. I'm not buying into that. Let's move on to Luke. the game that we don't want to talk about, Packers-Vikings. Uh, this game, man, and we have other stuff to talk about with this game. We actually probably, we're probably going to be here for a minute. And so let's just start with the Vikings side of the ball because there's more to talk about on the Packers side of the ball for sure. Uh, on the Vikings side of the ball, they ran the ball. They ran the ball a lot. They had 33 carries for 171 yards. 30 of those carries went to, to Dalvin Cook for 163, and he had three scores. Uh, I'm sorry, RIP to your matchups this week if you played Dalvin Cook. I had the pleasure of playing Dalvin Cook this week, and he made up of the the gentleman I played, he made up 45% of his total points for the week, Dalvin Cook did. So I am sorry if you played Dalvin Cook this week. You probably did not win. Um, I played him in one league, and this is in an absolutely stacked dynasty league. Like, this team's just nuts. Um, And once Aaron Jones comes back from injury, it's going to be even worse because I also have CMC. So I have CMC, Dalvin Cook, and Aaron Jones on this one roster. Oh, I also had DK Metcalf in that same league. Nice. So I had Dalvin Cook put up 48. My opponent put up 65. This is in a super flex (laughs) league. Yeah, so... So yeah, he so your forty five percent mine put he put up what would that would that be eighty percent or so? Yeah, that's 
Yeah, Dalvin Cook was a monster this week. But yeah, Dalvin yeah. Cook, this is this is what the Vikings want to do. This is their brand of football. Throw it. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, here's what the Vikings did. They said, "Huh, how did San Francisco beat Green Bay twice last year?" Oh, they ran the ball really, really well and made sure their quarterback didn't have to throw it. Done. That's what happened. Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins averaged less than two yards per air. Like I, was a two, say, two I know it was less than five for a fact. I wanted to look up the exact stats, so thank you for bringing that up because I knew it was less than five, but two is just freaking bonkers. I believe it was like 2.4, so I over-exaggerate Golly, a little bit, but it was like, like 2.4 air yards per, per target. He averaged 11 yards per completion, but he averaged less than three yards per air attempt. Kirk wasn't airing the ball out. Green Bay was swarming to the ball on in the passing game. Not in the run game, but in the passing game. Other than Dalvin Cook's 53-yard scamper. See, this game is so weird from a Packers standpoint because the offense actually didn't play that bad. The offense was actually pretty efficient. I think they had one punt. They had one punt in this game. Obviously, there was the high wins, but... They managed it well. They went for it on fourth down. They didn't really sacrifice any bad field position. Overall, the offense actually played really well. I was actually impressed with it, considering everything. And Aaron Rodgers had 27-41 of 41 for 291 yards and three scores. They didn't win this game due to a couple reasons. They couldn't get a single stop on defense. The, the Vikings decided that they were just going to run the ball, and they were going to make the Packers stop them, and they couldn't. The Packers tried to play time of possession in this game, and that bit them hard because they just didn't have enough opportunities on offense to continue to right the ship in this game. And yet, they were one play away, one penalty away from, from really winning this game. So the offense is, is perfectly fine in Green Bay. Uh, so you're looking at this running back group with, with, with all the news around A.J. Dillon now and the COVID uh, positive. He's going on the COVID reserve list. Apparently, Jamal Williams has been deemed as a close contact. He will also be going on the COVID reserve list. So you're hoping Aaron Jones can come back for Thursday night. Because if Aaron Jones can't come back Thursday night, you're watching the waiver wires of the NFL to see who they pick up. Because that's going to be who's starting. It could be Tyler Urban. Um, but no, I lo- Dexter no Williams. There, it could be Dexter Williams. Dex- I, I think if it's anybody, it's Dexter. I think Tyler Urban gets some work. But I don't think that – I don't think Urban – I don't think they put him back there as the primary guy. They haven't used No, him. I wasn't saying primary. I'm saying like a 50-50 split between the two guys. Like get, get some creative like toss sweeps or some stretch plays for be, Tyler I Urban. Think it'd be, I think it'd be Dexter would be the primary guy and then Tyler Urban would be back in there. But I think Aaron Jones plays this week. Unless he re-aggravates it this week during practice, I think he's back. Um, yeah, A.J. Dillon having COVID and then getting to play because the NFL testing system is dumb makes no sense. So... Yes. Oh, we're going to change the rules, and you're going to test on game day. But you're not going to find out the results until after the game is over. So how does that make any sense? How does that make any sense to anybody? The whole point of you testing on game day is to find out results so that way a player doesn't get into a game. Right. And instead, now A.J. Dillon went and played not a full game, but he had five carries for 21 yards, and he had a catch for 16 yards. He was on the field. He was on the field some. He was in on multiple plays where when you were he was getting tackled, he was getting tackled by six guys. What? How does that make any sense? It doesn't. And it's actually an absolute miracle that it took this long for the Packers to get exposed because I don't know if you've looked at their schedule, but a lot of the teams they've played have had a positive at some point throughout this throughout and the season. I, and I saw a thing today. Someone tweeted, like, the it all comes back to the Titans outbreak. 
because when the Titans, since the Titans outbreak has happened, there is a six degrees of separation for like every team they've played has then had a positive COVID test as a result. Like Green Bay played this team who played that team who played this team who played that team. And just like, and it all can be tied back to Tennessee. I'm not saying that Tennessee is the responsible for the outbreak of the NFL. Yes, we are. Um, You are saying that. I'm not saying it because I don't need Titans fans in my mentions. I'm just saying that six degrees of separation can say it. But yeah, no, this offense (laughs) offense played well. Robert Tanya had five for 79 on seven targets. Should have had even more yards if Rodgers can bring that one throw down. Penalties on him that were not called. One was the DPI. The other one was the missed face mask. I don't want to get into that this, DPI though, was but, I mean, egregious. That yeah. was egregious. That was really bad. Also, okay, one one quick thing. So you, I know you watched this game from start to finish, right? Obviously. Okay, so on the final catch, like before that final play, why does the NFL referees insist on just ignoring delay of games by by defensive players? So Tanyan gets up. After being laid on, briefly, oh yes, I saw this. And then gets up, yeah. and then the linebackers jostle, trying to jostle the ball away from him. Throw a damn flag! It's not hard. I and I and I tweeted about it yesterday. People are going to assume that this is just a Green Bay thing, and me just being recency biased. But no, I see this every week. I see it in every game. I don't care, and I don't care if I like a team or not. If that happens, just throw a flag. That's well, they, all they used to. Is, That's the thing, and I don't know why they stopped. I know. They're supposed to, but now I think that the way they've gone is they want it to be egregious, like a player to deliberately smack a ball far or hold, like ex- aggressively holding on to a player. I go the other way. If it's, I don't care if it's a soft delay, throw a flag, throw a flag because if I'm a coach, you know what I'm doing? Push the limit. I'm telling all of my guys, push it, like put, push the line, push the line, and make the refs make a call because they're not calling it. And it's the most frustrating thing to watch. I've seen because there's been too many teams this year that have not necessarily lost the game because of that, but they they weren't they weren't put in a position to succeed. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're running the ball up to the line of scrimmage, making sure the ref has it, making sure their center has it to give it to the ref and spot it quick. And we got linebackers smacking the ball or holding on to guys a little extra long, laying on top of them, doing all this extra stuff. Make a call. You're you're out there to make these calls, and the refs had. The egregious DPI where no one in the building thought that that was clean other than the refs. And then they, they, they didn't even think it was clean. They picked up the flag. They thought it was that, dirty. And then they didn't. They, they, they did. Not dirty. That's like, not the right word. I'm sorry. But they, 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 they thought knew. Was, they thought it was yeah. foul. But then they're like, nah. So like if you. OK, so you already had that. And then I understand that that was not egregious play by the linebacker. Like he wasn't like he didn't smack the ball. He didn't throw it away. Do any of that stuff. But. It's the little things that because if he doesn't do that, that's probably about three to four seconds. Green Bay gets the ball up, can get a like seven, eight yard out maybe because that play took forever for them to do. Maybe they have time for two plays instead of one. Maybe Green Bay gets a better play in, but we'll never know because the refs couldn't sack up and make the call. Yeah, it's it's the most frustrating thing that I've watched in football this year. I've watched a lot of football this year that has been frustrating, but there is nothing more frustrating than the refs deciding a game like that because they're not willing to make a call. Yeah, the the, the DPI was definitely them getting scared because the DPI was, but I like that. I expect them to mess up pass interference calls because that happens all the time. Not when it's textbook definition of it, and you called something earlier in the game that was not textbook definition of it, and much more ticky tacky. And this is not. Are you I'm talking trying, about the Jair one. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. 
And so I, I could see, I was even when I saw that one, I was like, okay, I could see how this could be a penalty. I could see it. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but I could see what you but were I thinking. Could see it. And the but case this... is there. The case wasn't there on the 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 Tunyon one. That's like that. Yep, that's a flag. If you, that's like the the Clay Matthews uh, flag from a couple years ago when they were playing Minnesota, and people are like, yep, this is what we want the video to look like of how the player's supposed to do it correctly, and then they're like, that's a flag anyway. It's like. He, he did everything. He didn't play the ball. Didn't play the ball. Turn the yes. turn the receiver. Hit the arms away. Got there before the ball. Everything wrong, and you still pick up the flag. I will say one thing that the refs did um, in the Seattle game was they were constantly giving themselves the bailout of just calling something a score. I love that. That's how you do it. Just call it a score, and then because you're going to review it anyway. Oh, absolutely. That's you always, you that's always something go they on the exaggerated side. And the thing is, because it was under two minutes, they couldn't challenge the pass interference. It was outside the two minutes, they could have challenged it. Well, you can't it. challenge pass interference anyway. They took that away this year. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you're fine. But wish, wish yeah, it's the just, NFL. Anyway. You know what? There's not a lot you can take here. The receivers aren't going to do anything. When Alan Lazard comes back, he'll be fantasy viable. The wind was crazy. Let's move on to talk uh, about the Jets. Jair Alexander Island still exists. Uh, Jefferson yep. had two targets or two catches for eight yards when targeted. And I don't think Thielen had a catch when... Or not, not when targeted, but when covered by Jair. Because Jair wasn't necessarily shadowing. He did for a little bit, but he ended up starting switching. Uh, he, I didn't see Thielen's line, but I think it was 0-for-0. Zero zero. Uh, but Jefferson had 2-for-8. So it was... He did have the, he did draw the pass interference call on him, though. Oh, Granted, yeah, yes, right. it was ticky-tack, but it was called. You can see my eye roll. Josh Jackson had a decent day, but he didn't get targeted very often. 11-for-14 was Kirk Cousins. So let's just move on to this Chiefs-Jets game, because you and I, I know, could talk about this Packer game for the entire night. Patrick Mahomes, 31 of 42, 416 yards, five touchdowns, okay. a nearly flawless day against a terrible, terrible, terrible Jets team. It's just okay. 416 for five. You can get that anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can. And then you put it in your Millie Maker lineup and win a million dollars like a guy did yesterday. So good for him. Um, Travis Kelsey, eight for 109, a touchdown. Tyreek Hill, four for 98 and two touchdowns. Uh, Travis Kelsey had 12 targets. Tyreek Hill had six. Nico Hardman had seven for 96 and a touchdown on nine targets. Demarcus Robinson, four for 63 and a touchdown on five targets. Holy jeez, this was a passing clinic, man. And they couldn't run the ball. Is it? 20 carries, 50 yeah, no. 15. Yeah, and granted, okay, it was really 19 for 50 because Chad Henney kneeled down. Okay, sure. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell was bad. It, I, I, hey, I feel like did did do we know anybody that said Le'Veon Bell was not going to have a good game this week? Uh, I think you and I. I think you. Yeah, you and me. We both did that. Oh. It's crazy. It's like the revenge game narrative is nonsense. <laughs> there were two. There were two major revenge game narratives this week. It was Jimmy Graham for the Bears, and we'll get to him in a bit. And then Le'Veon Bell against the Jets. Everyone's like, he's a lock to score a touchdown. He's gonna have a great week. Yada yada. The guy had. Nine, to- nine total touches had tw- uh, 38 total yards. They couldn't run the ball. They didn't just feed him in the receiving game. He had just as many targets as Clyde Edwards Elaire did. Just didn't. It just did more with them. I, I think you can still. He's still a flexible option moving forward. But this was this was going to be a, a tough matchup. I, I I always thought maybe if they get up by a lot, maybe they start running the ball more. Maybe they want to preserve Clyde Edwards Elaire. They just throw Lydia Bell up there. I thought maybe that's what could happen. But they didn't do that. They just kept on throwing. 
And one quick thing, Clyde had 50% of the snaps. Le'Veon Bell had 26%. Uh, Darwin Thompson had 11%. And Daryl Williams. This says that he had 0% of the snaps, but obviously we know that he played because he had three carries. Right. And he had a catch. So he had at least four plays. He played at least four snaps. So right, out of the Jets side of the ball. Yeah. Um, Sam Darnold is now dealing done. with a shoulder injury again. Uh, well, he was dealing with another shoulder injury. So I think you okay, re-aggravated, so. just so you know. Uh, but, yeah, you're not really doing anything else with this team. Still not playing Joe Flacco. So. Blackson, Braxton Berrios had eight catches, 11 targets for 34 yards. Four yeah, yards, like, four yards of catch. Yeah. Four yards of catch. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Jeff Smith had three catches for 29 yards. This is, hurting my, this is hurting my football soul. I'm moving on here. <laughs> Jameson Crowder will come back. Jameson Crowder will be fantasy reasonable. I think this is the last one the PM slate or last one PM game we got. We got Pittsburgh taking down the Baltimore Ravens on the road, twenty-eight to twenty-four. Pittsburgh was not the better team in this game in terms of offensive production, but that didn't matter because the defense came up big when they needed it. They made plays when it mattered, and that's all that matters. So they forced four turnovers on the day. They had uh, two fumbles on Lamar Jackson. They picked are him off twice. Concerned about Lamar Jackson. I know we've talked about this a little bit, but are you officially now concerned about Lamar Jackson? So I kind of got into a not de- kind of a debate today on Twitter. I tweeted out that that Lamar Jackson has been outscored this year by Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and he's only six points ahead of Dak Prescott, who has played two fewer games than Lamar Jackson. Basically, what I was going after was stop overdrafting quarterbacks in redraft league. Mahomes still remains the only one. He is a Mahomes, and and people are like, yeah, well, Mahomes was this, and Dak Prescott before he was injured was this. Kyler Murray's played well for draft, and I'm like, and I I said I agree with those, but also I could have gotten Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow after round ten, and they're playing not quite up to that level, but I I got a wage, I got them for a much lower draft capital than you did. And I got better players as a result of it. I think that your Patrick Mahomes team is great. But guess what? I'm trotting out three starting running backs, and you're trotting out Naeem Hines, and you're hoping he has a good week. Congrats. Which, you know, to be fair here, Lamar Jackson still put up, what is it, 65 points, or so 6.5, plus another 8 points for the passing, two touchdowns. So, you know, he's still putting up a 20-point week for you, which is great. Yeah, he Fine. still had a good week. I, bottom line, I'm not concerned. No. He got red zone carries, just didn't quite get into the end zone. His Now, the thing that could be concerning long-term is Ronnie Stanley is out for the year with an unfortunate leg injury. That's terrible. This offensive line is not playing up to the level it was last year. I understand they lost Marshall Yonda, but just these guys are struggling, and they're about to start trotting out, I think, two or three backups from last year. Bradley Bozeman has regressed majorly from last year. Uh, Ronnie Stanley is gone, so Orlando Brown's going to the left side, and your right tackle is now going to be a backup. Just There's a lot of question marks on this offensive line. I'm not. I'm still playing Lamar. I'm not trying to move him. I'm not benching him for anybody, unless I have like Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or one of those cheaper guys. But I'm. I just anybody that expected him to repeat last year was out of their minds. Teams were going to adjust, and they've adjusted. Yeah, he's, he's still been, great. He's been pretty. He's big still play super talented so far. He's been pretty big play to planet in terms of his big weeks. because uh, I mean, there's been a number of weeks where he's had a really like average week and then all of a sudden he breaks up a 40-yard touchdown towards the end of the game and he salvages his week and you're like oh it's Lamar Jackson but at the same time trying to separate those two plays and finding the consistent performance speaking of consistent performance uh J.K. Dobbins look at this 15 carries 113 yards Gus Edwards 16 carries for 87 yards and a score um 
J.K. Dobbins, is it finally J.K. Dobbins season? I mean, he looks good. I saw a couple plays uh, where he it was just... It should be. He was just making plays, making guys miss left and right that probably should not have been missing. Like, it was it was pretty crazy. In a phone booth, you hear that term a lot when you're talking about player evaluation. In a phone booth, this dude was nuts. Like, some of the moves that he was making and able to... The balance that he had, um, he's going to get more touches because that was super impressive. And so, once he, once he gets the rushing work and continued rushing work, watch out because he's going to become... He's going to become your Mark Ingram from last year. And I think Mark Ingram is sadly pretty much done in Baltimore after after this week, after showing that they just don't need him. Um, I know he's been dealing with an injury, but I think he comes back and gets very little work. I think it would be the J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards with Mark Ingram as a spellback type work. Uh, I was going to say, the, the problem for Ingram is that his role was to be what Gus Edwards is exactly. doing. Mm-hmm. And Gus Edwards is doing it not necessarily better than he was last year, but he's a, he's no, a neutral. It's not, not like a. It it's not a regression. He's doing. He's not doing it b- better last year, but he's doing it well enough. So yeah, he's like he's he's replaced them. It's been like a one to one replacement. Gus Edwards is averaging over five yards per carry. He's getting touchdown work. He's not doing anything in the receiving game, but that's okay. So yeah, I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be your primary guy. Gus Edwards is going to be sprinkled in there. Okay, actually, I think that it should be J.K. Dobbins. But then again, the NFL is dumb, and we can never predict anything in the receiving game. Marquise Brown wants to be traded, so that's a cool thing. Did you see that yesterday? I actually did not. So Marquise Brown, let's see if he's deleted his tweet because he tweeted out shortly after the game. He he only had twenty two, or he only had two targets all of yesterday. Let's see if he's still got it out there. Let's see, nope, he deleted the tweet. Damn you, Marquise Brown. I'll go. I'll go find it. But basically, he said something like, "What's the point of having kings if you're not going to use them?" Or something like that. See, he said, "What's the point of having soldiers when you never use them?" Parentheses. Never. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. I know he's probably um, frustrated. He doesn't get the receiving work typically that you would expect out of a wide receiver one. But this Baltimore passing offense is just weird overall. I mean, why is Willie Sneed getting five catches for 106? I agree with that. I think Duvernay is more talented. I think Marquise Brown is more talented. There's, there's even an argument to be made that James Proch is more talented than Willie Sneed. But this, for the, some reason, he got seven targets in this game. Mark Andrews, uh, six targets, three catches for 32 yards. I apologize for laughing. Somebody on Twitter said, with all the injuries slash COVID at running back for the Packers, who should they sign to play on Thursday? Sam Congato, Eddie Lacy, Dorsey Levins, Ramon Green. It's Amon so Green. I apologize for laughing, but that's funny. <laughs> it's Ramon Green. It's um, Eddie Lacy, dude. What are you talking about? Oh, gosh. I think Eddie Lacy's a shell of himself. And that's that's saying a lot. So it's a big ass show. <laughs> let's move on though. I don't really want to talk about this Ravens Ravens receiving core that much because it's pretty gross all around. I mean, it's just it's the same thing week in week in and week out. I don't even talk about Miles Boykin. He's more talented than Willie Sneed. Um, but let's talk about the Pittsburgh side of things. They ended up winning this game. We talked about probably should not have won this game, but they did. Uh, probably because Lamar Jackson's forcing it to Willie Sneed and nearly getting him killed in the end zone as time expires. Yeah, that was that was a that was a terrible, terrible decision. I don't know if this just no one else was open there, but that was a It seemed like you forced it to a, Willie Sneed, which I don't understand why you're doing that. So moving on though. Especially when you have Mark Andrews who's a red zone monster. <laughs> right. I don't I don't know. Um, there's not much to talk about here other than the receiving core for Pittsburgh. I mean Ben Roethlisberger, pretty much as I expected in a Baltimore game. Um, the score was higher I think the score ended up being higher than I thought it would be, but the game actually kind of went along with the AFC North typical game, where it was a very defensive game for the most part. Uh, yeah, there was a pick six. There was a pick six involved. Right. So that's so it should have been a. I'm not obviously defensive points still count, but it's 24-21 in terms of offensive production. So there really wasn't a ton of like 
there wasn't a ton of production out of these offenses. 24-21, that's pretty standard AFC North matchup. Just the Steelers got a pick six, and that, that ended up being the difference in this game. Yes, it did. And Juju Smith-Schuster is still the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh, just your, your weekly PSA there. Uh, Chase Claypool, I think, is your wide receiver too. I know Deontay Johnson is one week off of the bigger week, but he is just far too inconsistent. At least Claypool is giving you a 5.4. Deontay Johnson left this game early. No way. Yes, he did. He only had three targets. Well, he had still, one catch. Still your wide receiver he, too, le- he, he left the game early. As long as Deontay Johnson is out, yes, Chase Claypool is your wide receiver too. Now, How often Deontay does he get Johnson hurt? Okay, that is a joke that Stefania Bell of ESPN made yesterday too. She said, oh, Stephon- it said, Deontay Johnson in the blue tent. I feel like that's a sentence we've heard all too often this year. Yes. I agree. He's getting hurt a lot. But I'm not, I, I don't believe in the idea that you bench a guy because he gets injured a lot. Like if he's off the injury report and he's healthy, that's not what I'm you saying. don't bench him. That's yeah, I just saying. I wanted that to be clear that because like I know some people who say, oh well, he's probably going to get hurt in this game, so I'm going to bench him. No, if he's fully healthy and off the injury report, you're playing him because he's the wide receiver too in this offense I behind with that Juju. Because I think until he can string together a a string of games where he consecutively plays all the pretty much the entire game, I'm going to say Claypool over Johnson until because I think they're going to give you some more production. I think Claypool has been healthier this season at least. Uh, it's the only season we have to compare them. And I think that Claypool is going to give you a solid floor, whereas Deontay Johnson has been, hey, I'm going to play the entire game, and I might be good, but at the same time, I could go out in the first quarter, and I can give you 1.6 points in PPR. So I'm going to go with Claypool from here on out until I see something different. Yeah, well, we could all agree that Eric Ebron is the tight end GOAT. Four for 48 on five targets, caught a touchdown. You love to see it. He's really coming into his own as Pittsburgh offense, and it is good. Uh, it's good for him. It's good for the tight end landscape because it's it's needed right now. Uh, but Vance Juju... McDonald didn't even have a target yesterday. Yeah, That's... I didn't. Eric Ebron is the tight end to own in Pittsburgh, which is what I was pounding the table for literally all offseason. He was like tight end 25 on like during in redraft leagues. And I'm like, if you're not leaving with Eric Ebron as your tight end too, you're doing it wrong. Um. Juju Smith-Schuster, though, is still the wide receiver to own in Pittsburgh. He's going to get the touchdown. Absolutely. The touchdown, the touchdown progression will come eventually. Um, yeah. Let's move on to Denver Chargers. I'm super excited to talk about this game. Do you know why I'm super excited to talk about this game? Because Drew Locke is good. No, because I predicted this. I knew that the Broncos were going to win this game. Chargers don't play well in Denver. They play, They were knocking the teeth out of the Broncos for three quarters. And then they ended up losing this game. It was actually a hell of a game. Drew Locke played a hell of a game. Uh, Justin Herbert played a hell of a game. It was, it was a great game to watch overall, um, but I was I actually put some money on this game, and I was very, very happy. So Justin Herbert, 29-43, uh, 278, three touchdowns. They had a Keenan Allen throw. That was fun. It was incomplete. It was actually really poorly thrown. But. I, didn't get to, I didn't get to watch this game, unfortunately. I was watching the, uh, the Bears game, and then the Seattle game was on my other channel. So I didn't get to see much of it i was getting to see the highlight clips here and there what what like did they do like an end around pass yeah it was an end around reverse type thing i think they threw a little corner route and he kind of like way overthrew it but it's okay at least he's smart enough to throw it away unlike every other well no it was, it was not a throw away it was just inaccurate but i just meant like he didn't just take the sack or run out of bounds which we see oh, all yeah. too often for on the receiver pass it's the most annoying thing ever when a receiver rolls out right and it's like oh there's nobody open and then just runs five yards out of bounds like what what are you doing all right, moving on to the running backs. Uh, not that it ever existed, but the Josh Kelly era is completely over, in my opinion. When Troy Main Pope gets 10 carries and you get 7, yeah, you're 
I'm sorry, you were yeah. not going to be fancy relevant. Uh, Justin Jackson, nope. by default, 17 carries, 89 yards. That's about what you expect. And, uh, and 22 of 32 yards for Josh Kelly came on one carry, so he had six carries for 10 yards. Gosh. Yeah, so Justin Jackson, which we never really debated it, is the running back to own in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. I don't know when Eckler's coming back, but it's got to be soon, I would assume. Uh, I'll have my producer pull that up for you. All right. Yeah, you look, that up. you look that up. I'll go talk about these wide receivers. Mike Williams, 5 for 99 in the score on 8 targets. Keenan Allen, 9 for 67 in the score on 11. Um, Hunter Henry had a 4 for 33. That's fine. I don't really – not going to make a big stink about it. Justin Jackson had some receiving work here, but really it's the Mike Williams and Keenan Allen show as expected. Nothing, nothing too much to – um, to break apart there. Eckler is not expected back until week 10. Okay. So one more week. So, so until then, Justin Jackson show. So one more week. All right, moving on to the Broncos side of the ball. Um, not a lot of rushing work. I mean, Lindsey had one big carry, but really it was overall they didn't run the ball a lot in this game, and it's because they when were you're, playing When you're down yeah. as much as you are, you you have to throw the yeah. ball. They were down so, 24 to 10 heading into the third quarter, fourth quarter. So so no further light could be shed on this Broncos running back situation in terms of who's going to get the carries. Malvin Gordon did lead in carries, but was far less efficient. Um, Philip Lindsay was actually relatively efficient all, all throughout. He was about, averaging about six yards per carry before the big carry. So uh, I'm stunned. I'm stunned that Philip Lindsay continues to be good at football. Stunned. Yeah. yeah. I actually I like Melvin Gordon. By the way, I think he gets a lot of hate, but I like Melvin Gordon still. So, um, I mean, I I said coming into the week the week he was one of my starts. If Philip Lindsay didn't play, Philip Lindsay played. Melvin Gordon had a bad week. I've uh, said since he was in San, since he was in San Diego, not even L.A. San Diego. If he doesn't get volume, he's not going to be good. When he gets volume, he's a good play. But he doesn't he doesn't doesn't get volume in a backfield where. There are, there's another running back who is also good in Philip Lindsay. So it does look like though Melvin Gordon is going to continue to get the passing work from the running back position, um, whatever that means. So I, I think that's been a pretty consistent thing for him uh, in this that's game. Seven targets yesterday, which is crazy. Did. Six carries for, or six receptions for 21 yards though, so not not doing much with it. Uh, Noah Fant still the wide receiver one in this offense. Uh, seven Titan. catches, 40. No, no, no. I know what I said. <laughs> oh wow. Yes. Okay. So sure. wide receiver wide receiver one in this offense. Um, he, he's just he's getting more production than anybody else. I mean, J- Judy had 10 targets, which is great, but he only had four catches for 73 yards. Had a long play, 43, 43 yards coming on the one play. Uh, not gonna get too not too bent up on that. I'm glad to see he's getting the work, but I'm a little disappointed to see he couldn't do much with it. Uh, I, I missed the throws, so maybe it was Bach being inaccurate. But I mean, yeah, so- I want to see them get a little more chemistry together. Maybe play a little bit more. Uh, and maybe play against easier corners. Like I understand Desmond King didn't play in this game, but is like, but uh, Casey Hayward's still good. Casey Hayward's still good. It, uh, is Chris Harris healthy? I can't uh, remember. No, I feel like I feel like he left with an injury at some point, like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, if he was, he didn't register a tackle. So, but I think if Jerry Judy and Drew Locke can register some chemistry together, there is um, that's a really good duo along with Cortland Sutton on the other side when he comes back healthy next year. So. And then you'll have KJ Hamler running out of the slot. But Deshaun Hamilton was the leading receiver here. Four catches, 82 yards, and a score. Uh, you're not doing much with that. I mean, monitoring yeah, the situation had five for targets. now. But this only was, had five this targets. Was, he had half the targets that Judy did, four he, less he than He got Noah Tim Patrick. Patrick work. That's what he got. So I think that's the important yeah. note here is when Tim Patrick is not playing as Deshaun Hamilton. Um, yeah, KJ agreed. Hamler, Hamler's name is going to be thrown around because he made that big play at the end. But overall, pretty disappointing day for him. Mm-hmm. Three for 13 in the touchdown. Albert O came back to earth. Only had one target, and it came in the fourth quarter. Which you expected. You're not playing Albert O if Fant is healthy. So, 
Uh, Absolutely. Let's move on to Saints and Bears. Uh, you know what? Okay. Let's talk about this Bears team for a second. I will say this. While I do not think the quality of this football team is up to their record, they are freaking resilient. And it's actually been kind of fun to watch, even though their quarterback play is just atrocious at times. God damn if Nick Foles doesn't know how to win a football game. Like, it's, it's, it's annoying and it's frustrating. And I can't imagine being a Bears fan, but... Who do you think is the best quarterback on the Bears roster? I think it's Nick Foles. Because I think because I think he gives the team the best opportunity to win. I I just I, I think I, from a okay, talent so standpoint I, it's truly clearly Trubisky from a talent standpoint, but from a game management. So late late in, late in that game it was it was I believe it was fourth down. And there and Nick Foles had all sorts of room in front of him. Like he had probably fifteen yards of space in front of him. Fifteen plus. And he he threw it, and I'm pretty sure it just went incomplete, or he got sacked, or something like that. And I tweeted out that like right as soon as it happened, Mitch Trubisky would have ran for a first down there because Mitch would have. Mitch has the athleticism to make that play. And a guy who uh, is a Bears fan replied, or Bears fan, he's an analyst. He said uh, Trubisky wouldn't have put him in the position to make to be there to make that play. And I reply, and I but here was my rebuttal: Nick Foles didn't put him in this position. The defense did. Because Nick Foles had two touchdowns and an interception, and his pick was bad. He had took five sacks, had thirty nine sack yards. He didn't. He just he didn't have a good day. Yeah. Allen Robinson bailed him out. Allen Robinson was wide open for a touchdown, and Nick Foles still almost missed him. Like Robinson cooked the quarter that was covering him, and Foles still almost airmailed it to where Robinson had to do a full stretch to get it, and almost couldn't get there. And Allen Robinson's what like six four? Come on. Execution-wise, Foles is obviously not ideal. I just think that from a game management standpoint, I think that that's where they get – I think that's where you get the real true value in Nick Foles over Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, Trubisky's the much more talented quarterback, but Nick Foles, I think, gives this team the best opportunity to win right now. Uh, David Montgomery still the absolute freaking workhorse in that Chicago backfield. Um, Nothing has changed here. 21 carries, 89 yards. I think this is one of the better days we've seen against the Saints on the ground in a long time, actually, which is really funny because the Bears have struggled running the ball for the most part. Um, it, well, so and I, they really and they truthfully struggled in this game because if you take away the 38-yard scamper where Montgomery almost fair. looked confused. He got through the line, and there was no one there. Demario Davis misses the tackle, and then Montgomery runs for 38 yards. He almost looked confused. Like, where where is everybody? I'm not used to being this open. So he really, if you take that away, I understand. I'm cherry-picking here, but I don't care. Shove it. It's my show. Well, he had 20 carries. Line, 20 for 50? He had 20 carries for 20 carries. No, is that? Yeah, 20 carries for 51 yards. So that's, that's pretty typical what, like, of what he's been doing. So Yeah, because this offensive line doesn't give him a chance. Doesn't give him a chance. I agree. I agree. It's it's still free. He forced Montgomery. seven missed tackles yesterday. It's still an evergreen tweet. Is free David Montgomery. Um, Allen True. Robinson. Free Allen Robinson. So Anthony Miller. I love to see him finally starting to come into his own. I recently, really, I recently cut him in Dynasty, and it made me really sad. So I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I just I had to do it. Um, and well, so you now, freed him. Thank you. Eight yeah, for seventy-three on eleven targets. Thanks, um, man. And Nick Foles finally hit Darnell Mooney on one of those shots. He finally did it, yep. and he got fifty yards. And I think he scored on it as well. That same play. So, um, yeah. other than that, you want to talk about your Jimmy Graham? Actually, Darnell Mooney did not score on that one. The one that he got he a 50-yard catch was, no, he got tackled, and he would have scored if Nick Foles had put it out in front of him, but <laughs> Nick Foles didn't. Yeah. So, he, so Mooney went up, got it, and 
he would have scored if Foles knew how to put the ball in the correct spot. Jimmy Graham, two for 13 on seven targets. Jimmy Graham was in a revenge spot yesterday. Everyone's like, oh, Jimmy Graham's going to have a good day. And I've been a champion to Jimmy Graham all year. I liked Jimmy Graham yesterday, but he's got a bad quarterback, so he couldn't do anything. And every time, and I tweeted this out yesterday, that every time Jimmy Graham got tackled or got knocked down, it looked like he was an old tree that had just gotten knocked down. In the, like he was an old redwood that had finally gotten felled, and it happened every time. He's not athletic. He's not fast. If he doesn't get a catch in the red zone, if he doesn't catch a touchdown, he's not going to have a good day. He didn't catch a touchdown, didn't have a good day. But Foles just missed him a lot. Like, there was plenty of plays where Jimmy was open or Jimmy had an advantage on his matchup, and he just didn't get there. There was one where Jimmy had – it was man coverage. He had his man beat, but he kind of settled down on his route rather than continuing on it, and then it looked like a bad throw on Foles' part, but it was Graham. So – not much to take here. Allen Robinson's still a good player to a roster. I prefer Darnell Mooney to Anthony Miller, uh, especially long-term. But Miller did show some life, so that's good there. If Montgomery can get into the end zone, he could have he could have better days. Let's move over to the Saints side of the ball, though. 31 for 41 out of Drew Brees, 280 yards, two touchdowns on the day. That's a solid Drew Brees day. You'll take that every day, especially against a defense like this Bears defense. Um, Alvin Kamara, 12 for 67, averaged 5.6 yards per carry. That's that's a good day. Just didn't get as much running work. Like, he ha- had a good average. So, his receiving work, though, 9 yeah, for 96 on 13 targets. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ah, eat all day, man. Love seeing it. Love seeing out AK-41 get that work. Love seeing him bounce back after the down year last year. Um you're starting him every week. He's an RB1, top three option, Jared literally Cook every single week. Must start tight end status, is he not? Yeah, I think he's a low end tight end one right now. I think. Like lo- low end tight end one, high end tight end two. He's a must start tight end option. I think that's what he is right now. Uh, wide receiver wise, I still don't know what to make of this group because I don't know when Michael Thomas is coming back. I don't know if he's coming back. Um, Traquan Smith, though, five catches, 43 yards. Probably is your leading receiver uh, with no Emmanuel Sanders out there. So. It's, it's, it's a mess in New Orleans, so it could all change next week when both Sanders and Thomas come back. But something to monitor uh, in, in that New Orleans receiving room. Uh, do you have any other comments about this game before we move on? Uh, one quick thing. So you said Jared Cook is a top 12 must-start option. What if you roster Johnny Smith, which is a hypothetical possibility? You could hypothetically roster both of those players. I trust Drew Brees more than I do Ryan Tannehill. And for that reason, I'd say Jared Cook in most places. But if you're having, if you have that tight end situation, you're probably in a good spot. You can rotate the two guys based on matchup. That's what I'd say. I'm about to go four and four in the league that I have those two guys. But sure, thanks. Let's move on to the final four o'clock game. That's the 14 team pack a day league that I have those oh, okay. two guys. Yeah, I'm playing Elon San Francisco losing. To, oh, damn you, 27 to 37, Seattle. Russell Wilson goes 27 of 37 for 261 yards and four touchdowns. Man. Russell Wilson had a down game. That's crazy. Yeah, well, DK Metcalf is a monster. 12 for 161 on 15 targets, two touchdowns. Him just and Tyler Rocket right now, they're just, tra- they're just trading games. Like They're just going back and forth. Who can have the big game? So next week will be Tyler Lockett. I saw Lockett. a stat yesterday that Tyler Lockett, after games that he scored a, or had gone over 100 yards and scored a touchdown in the last two years, he like had, I don't think he's caught more than five balls in a game, and I don't think he's had more than like 60 yards in a game. I don't know if just – those big games like wear him out 
or what happens. But yeah, he's not. He doesn't do anything in the weeks following big games. So, but I think he is separating him from the conversation of top wide receivers in this league because the top wide receivers in this league go out week after week. Like a Keenan Allen, they put up eight, six, seven, eight catches a week, regardless of the yards are there or not. They're putting up at least consistent production. Uh, He only had five targets in this game, and I've actually gotten into a discussion of this with with a couple buddies of mine. Um, and so are you familiar with the next thing? Never mind. I'm not going to go to that, but basically, no, go ahead. no, go no, ahead. no, 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 it's okay. Tyler Lockett though. I think a lot of his production comes from Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson being the type of player he is in playing backyard football in extending the play. And I think that those two have such extraordinary chemistry at times that if you can find a defense that's rather disciplined, I think that's where Tyler Lockett's going to struggle. Yes and no. I think that just when you have when your teammate goes for fifteen targets, you're gonna have a down day. That's just what happens. There's a reason that Marquez Valdez Scantling doesn't have great games every week. There's a reason that Malik Taylor doesn't have great games every week. There's a reason that even Alan Lazard, when he's healthy, doesn't have great games every week. I understand that Tyler Lockett is on a different level of those guys, but the argument still stands that when Lockett goes out and has, or when DK Metcalf goes out, has 12 for 161 and has 15 targets, literally 100 yards were sprinkled between the other receivers, the other pass catchers not named DK Metcalf yesterday. So I agree that Tyler Lockett might not be in the conversation for the truly elite talents in this league, but the connection that he has with Russell Wilson is a special one. And I think that regression should come. I don't know if just. The, because the corner matchup would favor Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett had a good matchup in the slot. It just it wasn't his day. It was clearly the day for DK. That's great. I love DK. I think he's going to have good weeks and a great career ahead of him. Not much, not much to draw here for me. I still love Tyler Lockett. You're still starting him every single week. Let's move on to the running backs, though. DJ Dallas had 18 for 41, the touchdown, which that's not great. But he also had five catches for 17 yards, had another touchdown there. Marsh is going to be back next week. That's why I kind of glossed over the running back situation because it's just going to change completely next week, and you're going to be back on Chris Carson. But if you're but if you're the Seahawks and you see DJ Dallas play well. But did he play well? And you're like, 18 carries, 41 yards? I don't think that's playing well, in my opinion. He, was, he played well enough to get – he was on the field. He got two touchdowns. He was on the field by default. Let's be honest here. Let's, I, Travis, Homer was the, Travis Homer was ahead of him on the depth chart, and yet – DJ Dallas severely outsnapped him. I'm, not I'm just saying that if if Carlos Hyde misses again and Chris Carson misses again, I feel comfortable playing DJ Dallas in I fantasy don't. Don't. because this offense scores so much. All right, let's move on to the San Francisco side of the ball. Speaking of offense and being injured, um, who Jimmy is Garoppolo injured? out? Jimmy Garoppolo out for six weeks and Kittle George Kittle out, for out ten weeks. 10. Oh, 10 weeks they upgraded uh they added more I, I saw 10 is what i saw earlier today it's a long um, time should, let's just know that should basically be time. the rest of the season that would yeah. be i wouldn't be surprised if they shut both of them down i mean so the end actually if the 40 so if either one of or if both of those guys go on to injured reserve san francisco will have 80 million dollars no, on their in on their injured um, reserves speaking of injured reserve the running back group here is just absolutely disgusting i i what a surprise to Michael Hasey is not good. What a surprise, guys. What? Uh, 12 carries, 29 yards. Coleman came back in this game and then got hurt. Tevin Coleman, three carries, 20 yards. Jared McKinnon, I'm assuming, got hurt as well. Three carries for negative one. Um, he got a touchdown, though. <laughs> he got a touchdown. He had so, four catches for 40 yards. Yeah, I guess. 
so, so Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk is your number, your number one wide receiver in San Francisco, which is pretty. We were actually pretty high on Ayuk this week, and he had a good yep, week. Yep, uh, Brandon Ayuk, I believe, was I. I think he was my start of the week, if I remember correctly. Or he, he was been. my star surprise of the week, something like that. I had him as a top twenty four option. He went eight for ninety one. That's seventeen plus what plus six. That's twenty three. That's that's a wide receiver one or two yeah. week depending on how definitely good wide receiver one week. Uh, so Kendrick Bourne had a decent week too, eight catches for eighty one yards. But I think that's the matchup thing. Uh, he's probably we probably didn't cover him enough. We probably could have added him into the discussion because of just because of the pure nature of the game. But you're not doing much with with. It got Bourne into garbage forward. time, yeah. yeah because so the, so Seattle was up big, and San Francisco scored twenty points in that final quarter when Nick Mullins came into the game. So that was garbage time, similar to week one for Minnesota when. Everyone's like, oh, wow, the Vikings scored a lot of points. Yeah, they did when Green Bay was up 30 and didn't care. Seattle was up big. They didn't care. They weren't aggressively trying to win this game. Like, if Seattle wanted, they could have ran up even more points. They they absolutely could have. They just Should didn't. Um, but talking about this matchup moving forward, the you're not going to be able to, you're not gonna be able to play any of your passing pieces for the 49ers next week. Cause I what? Think that, I guess the Packers? Well, I mean, eh. Yeah, no, you're Maybe. playing. You're playing your running backs. You're not playing Brandon Ayuk. You're not playing Kendrick Bourne. What a Ross Dwelly, man. No, I don't. Dwelly season. I don't care about any of the passing pieces against the Packers. <laughs> uh, it's one thing they're doing recent, reasonably well is stopping wide receivers. So. Fair. Uh, I'm not playing any of the passing pieces, even Nick Mullins. I think that he'll benefit from maybe a couple play-action plays, but I, I ultimately think that this Packers team is, should win this game on Thursday. I know, Nick we're Mullins talking about the Packers beating the Niners. Nick Mullins low-key cooked Green Bay a couple years ago. Yeah, I don't care. I think Low-key, Nick right Mullins now. had a good game against Green Bay like two years ago. All right, well, we'll talk about that more on Thursday. So tune into the Thursday live stream versus debate that game more. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Let's though. just move on to Philly, yeah. Cowboys-Eagles. Uh, talk about one of the grossest games I had the opportunity to watch this year. This game, oh my gosh. I, had, I wanted to tear my eyes out, and I wanted to stop watching it, but I couldn't because I needed to see what happened. Uh, Eagles ended up winning it, but they probably no team deserved to win this game. And it, Travis Fulgham is good, and Jalen Rieger looked all right in minimal work. So I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, Dallas Goddard only had one target, which was astounding to me. The fact that he had one target, I was stunned. Yeah. Like, he had one. Everyone was like, oh, the yeah, The offense I was is weird. It. The offensive Philly is so weird right now. I think Travis Fulgham's the only piece you can play normally. I, I don't know when Alshon Jeffrey's coming back. Deshaun Jackson's not coming back anytime soon. Those are I the only two guys. Rieger, I think you could play Rieger in deep leagues, but that's it. I think he'll, he'll come around. He They were trying to get him involved. That was clear. He looked all right. I. I think that the better production will be coming from him. So I think Wentz is second guessing everything he sees. He's got like, the yes, I don't man. Th- I don't think he has any confidence in anything. Uh, ben Solak of the Draft Network. Uh, he talked about it. He's a he's an Eagles fan. He's a big Eagles guy. Um, if you guys don't follow him, go follow him. He's a great follow on Twitter for draft stuff and every and everything NFL. He was talking about it today, where he thinks Wentz just needs like to sit down and go like have his quarterback coach or have somebody go through stuff with him to say, okay, here's how we need this game to go. Here's how it's going. You need to figure this out. Once had like four turnovers in the first, what, like first quarter, first two quarters, he had two fumbles that he lost. He had two interceptions and one interception was just bad. It was boneheaded where he threw it. And I don't know if the wind caught it or what happened, but it just it sailed on him to high tower, and Trayvon Diggs just ran under it like he was a center fielder. 
Once I think is still fantasy viable, weirdly, just because he he gets he he's like number I think he's like QB five right now on the year. So crazy. It's, it makes <laughs> if no that's sense. not the I, most twenty twenty stat I think I've heard, then I don't yeah. know what is. Carson Wentz is playing terrible, and yet he's still like QB five or six in fantasy. It makes no sense. I don't really care about this team. Travis Fulgham is still good. Dallas Goddard's gonna have better weeks. Rieger will come along. Greg Ward is probably going to fade now after several weeks of decent play. On the Dallas side, Zeke, 19 Michael for 63, Dallas, 1 for 10. He didn't fumble the ball this week, so score there. Uh, Michael Gallup, yeah, had 12 targets, 7 for 61. Uh, Amari Cooper had one catch for five yards on five targets. CB Lamb, 4 for 27. For Ezekiel Elliott, of his production since Dak Prescott has not played. I don't think it's good. It's I didn't. Good. I think I saw the stat, but it's I think um, I had mostly checked out at that point. It's not good. So um, redraft, I'm probably trading Ezekiel Elliott if I can. If you can get somebody to buy on him as, at his real price, because I think teams are just focusing on that for the most part. And I the think my... one league I roster him is a league that does not have trades. So that sucks. I, I will continue to be playing. playing. Uh, unless it's best ball, I don't know why you're playing in that type. No, of it's exactly. um, it's a league that's uh, using like Scott Fishbowl scoring, and we're pl- so and there's obviously no trading in Scott Fishbowl, so we're right. So okay. we're playing with Scott Fishbowl rules. So that's why this is the only time I've ever rostered Zeke since he entered the NFL. I have never rostered him until this year, and this is what happens. <laughs> uh, but back to the receiving core for Dallas. Uh, Amari Cooper, where are you? One catch for five yards, five targets. Um, Michael Gallup, 7 for 61 and 12 targets. They used him in the short game a lot, which is really promising because that's not something they've really done with him. He was catching yeah, they, screens they galore. they didn't use him like that at all this year. Right. Like, until, like, until this week, he yes. had never been used that way. So uh, if they continue to do that, then bring, that brings your Michael Gallup shares back to normal value. Uh, Dalton Schultz, still a viable tight end option. Uh, six catches, 53 yards on eight targets. Uh, CeeDee Lamb had a down week, but he'll, he'll return to form, I think. But overall, this entire Cowboys offense is going to take a big step down. It was producing a lot of fantasy points through the first four weeks, um, but it's just, I mean, it's just natural. It's, it's what we expect, but um, it's just going to be kind of sifting through the trash every week and seeing what you can find to throw into your starting lineup. Is it weird that I want Andy Dalton back? He'll be back next week. So okay, are we? But I mean, I mean, I think that that's going to lead to positive regression, right? I mean, Ben DiNucci didn't. I don't. Think He's ben a DiNucci better quarterback than Ben DiNucci, oh, right? Obviously. Yes, 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 yes. But I don't think okay. he was terrible. DiNucci wasn't. I mean, this, this offense is just stale right now. It's you mean sidearm DiNucci, man? His submarine pitches. I love it. I will say that one on the sideline where he basically went to a submarine pitch was kind of. Not cool to watch, but it was kind of funny to see because you don't see that very often, and you see it even less in the game of football. But it was kind of cool. It was it was kind of kind of cool. So all right, I think we spent enough talking about this disgusting game. Um, the yeah. Eagles are going to be the NFC East winners. Just watch out. So watch them. Watch them mess around, win the NFC East, and then get into the playoffs and win a game. Just watch it. So yep. hey, prediction for tonight's game before we get out of here. Uh oh! I think I took the Bucks to cover eleven, so I'm going. Took the Bucks going, to cover eleven. Yeah, I'm going with that. I I think the Giants are just a bad football team, um, and they went toe to toe with this Eagles team last week, and this Eagles team was just not much better. Uh, this Cowboys team is just beaten down to its core right now, and the the Giants are probably going to beat this Cowboys team too. So, I, yeah, I'm taking the Bucks to cover eleven. Yeah, I'm taking the Bucks to cover eleven as well. I just I don't see a path 
to the Giants having nope. any success this tonight. Just I don't see any. So covering eleven, I honestly think eleven's small, but that's yeah, just me. I agree. All right. Well, let's get on out of here. We can help everybody else stop listening to us and help their their ears stop bleeding. Hopefully, it's not bleeding because that's a problem. But let us know by giving us feedback and comments and rating and subscribing. Um, going on over to YouTube and checking out the live streams. Uh, we'll, we will be back on Thursday evening before the Packers game. So make sure you're coming over there to check that out and hang out with us. Um, uh, oh, wait a minute. We might not. I will get back to you on Twitter on that. <laughs> I just made that announcement on the podcast, and I don't even know if we're going to actually be there because the pre-snap for game on Wisconsin might take our place. So I will get that information to you, and um, we will let you know if we will be live streaming on Thursday. But if not, we'll have a podcast set for Friday morning nonetheless, and we will be previewing all the Week 9 games. Uh, we won't have to rant about Packers and Niners, so you'll ha- it'll be a much more quick and clean uh, edition of our podcast. But... Um, really, though, make sure you're checking out everything that Game on Wisconsin is doing because it's awesome. Uh, they hit the goal for the Jamal Williams swag bag giveaway already, uh, but that doesn't mean that they they stopped collecting. So go check out the, the GoFundMe for that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Check out the Jamal Williams show on Tuesday evenings, the same night that this show releases, Tuesday mornings. So go check that show out tonight on Game on Wisconsin. Um, other than that, uh, I don't have much to add. I think it's just getting pretty uh, pretty clear uh, what we're up to here at Game on Wisconsin. Uh, there's just a lot of content there, so... Uh, once once the regular season ends, I don't know about Gage, but I will be transitioning into draft content. And so uh, it's kind of crazy to start thinking about that, but we are approaching week nine. So uh, once the season ends, I'll be approaching uh, draft content, and that'll be my specialty. And I'm, I'm, assuming we'll, I'm assuming you and I will jump into Dynasty content as well. But we'll, Yeah, we'll... no, I'll be doing draft content as well. Uh, I did that a lot last year. I'm going to plan on doing even more this year. So that's so I'm going to be right there with you. Uh, Dynasty content, obviously, Dynasty season never ends. It's always Dynasty season, especially over at thedynastynerds.com. Um, if you haven't checked out dynastynerds.com, go do it. If you haven't checked out the Dynasty GM tool and you play fantasy football, even if you don't play you don't play Dynasty football, the Dynasty GM tool is great for just regular football in general. So go check it out. Uh, cost the the website costs the same as a cup of coffee. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. There's a lot of great work out over there. There's a lot of really, really smart people on that site, and I'm so incredibly, so incredibly privileged to be over there. So yeah, go check out uh, Dynasty. Yeah. So how did we get on there? I have no idea. Anyway, <laughs> all right. I think I think it's enough bashing us for one day. Uh, go like, rate, subscribe, comment, feedback, do everything you can to let us know how we're doing. But until next time, go back home.